0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at
1: your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's
2: your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Though the weather outside is frightful, it's not that bad. And Mr. Kelly.
2: Well, you just uh, came in, so how was it?
3: <laughs> it's, uh, it wasn't too bad. Yeah? I mean, it's kind of lumpy. I guess there's certain spots where the de-icer or the brine or whatever, you know, kind of lumped the ice and it made it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, at first I thought I got a flat tire or something.
2: Ooh, yeah. That would not be good. No. No.
3: But you look very informal today. Now, was that because you had to come all the way from Illinois or something? No, no, no. This morning?
2: I, I stayed downtown last night. The station put me up in a hotel so I could make sure to get here.
3: Wow! Uh, but right
2: behind you is the shirt I wore, and it's one of those really warm shirts. Oh. And so as the morning went on, I need to I need to remember when I wear that to wear a nicer undershirt because uh, it gets hot. And so I take it off cause I'm on radio. You know, I'm so glad okay. I didn't sit on that thing. So now. yeah, I am too. I got to go grab it before you <laughs> sit on it. But, uh, yeah. So that's why I, I look like this. Oh,
3: I yeah. thought maybe you're just going informal.
2: No, no, not never. Never. I'm at work, man. I'm a, I'm a professional. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> Believe that I got a bridge. I want to sell you. But, <laughs> but anyway,
3: well, great. So are you going to go home or are you going to stay in a hotel again?
2: No, I'm going to try to go home this afternoon, probably early afternoon. Even though they're saying
3: five more inches or whatever?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on it, see how things go, and uh, play it by ear.
3: How far are you off a paved road?
2: Uh, Actually, I'm on a paved road. And where I live, I have to go up the bluffs to get home up the bluff. Right. But the road crews are great where I live. And I've been there 20 years and I've never had a problem. Really? Yeah. And it's kind of neat because the road district ends at our driveway. And so the plows will come to our driveway and like turn into the driveway across the street and turn around. Wow. So past our driveway, it can be pretty iffy sometimes. But from our driveway down to the main road, or as we call it in the country, the highway, because it's paved. Uh, it's fine. I, I've never really, they put cinders down, which really helps on the hill and I knock on wood, I haven't had problems. So how about your driveway though? Well, the neighbor usually comes down and he actually has a new tractor that he's been waiting to use. And so he's, he'll come down and he probably already has been there. If not, he will, by the time I get home and he'll plow my driveway so I can get in. Wow. For free? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Just because you watch his peacock?
2: Yeah. Well, this isn't the peacock owner. This oh. is the other one. This is the guy down oh.
3: the street. Yeah. <laughs> well, exciting news, man. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a wonderful life, I tell you. <laughs> and again, that v nex t-shirt really looks good. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, folks, on Saturday morning, we get together and we have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard. How about your front and inside landscapes? How about the specialty garden spaces? And the taste of the tropics, in other words, your houseplants. And what is potting mix? How to improve your soil, shearing and pruning? How to get rid of those bugs and diseases? Using this information to make good decisions, my thoughts and orchestration hopefully will open or solidify options with you making the final judgment on the action that you want to take. And remember, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home, car, or wherever you're listening from. And another important player in this game is Greg. Greg is producing today, and I greatly appreciate all the work he does. I'm Mike Miller. I'm hosting, I've been host of the Garden Hotline since 1994. I've written several gardening books who are currently available at various locations and on the Internet. Thank you for getting that shirt off my chair. Ugh. I thought something was stinky. <laughs> He said he was sweating. So anyway, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine, and I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and take a look around during my walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I whimped out. Sorry, St. Louis Composting. I know the Good Gardening Stroll is brought by you, but uh, the boots I have only go up about just past my ankles. The snow was deeper than that. So I started off just kind of walking around the yard and everything, getting the car ready so I could drive down here, and I was getting a lot of snow down inside my boots. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to not do the Good Gardening Stroll today. But I did notice... The snow is really creating some great aesthetic impacts. And uh, really, it really highlights the deciduous trees, the top part of the branches and everything, even as I look out the window here at all the deciduous trees. That white highlighting is really fantastic. And it turns the evergreens either into a huge mound of what appears to be snow or the branches really weep over, giving a really nice visual impact of the branching. And uh, please use caution, though, as you head out yourself if you haven't been out yet. It's a little slippery. So especially, Well, speaking of slippery, on my ride in from South City from the Cronolette to Christy Park area, I was shocked. There was probably three or four or five people that were either standing in the street because of the bus stop. They didn't want to stand on the sidewalk. And Or walking in the street with cars coming right at them with it slippery like this. I thought, are you guys? I even, you know, I did slow down and put the window down and said, sir, you're crazy. You know, to be walking this close to cars when it's slippery. It was uh, exhausting. But if you do head out, as I said before, be careful on hardscapes, especially if you're going to go out and make snow angels and stuff like that. Be real careful doing that. And when I get home, I'm going to be disheveling, of course. And I'm going to be listening to the kids across the street, down the hill, uh, across Christie Park. There's a great hill that the neighborhood kids love to use their snow disc and slide down. It's not really a long hill or anything else, but it's super you know, steep so they can really get some speed so uh, even last night, as I was sitting there, kind of watching the snow coming down, a couple kids ran past the house and across the park, and they were headed towards the hill. I think guess they wanted to be the first kids to go down the hill. So anyway, sorry, good gardening stroll. Mm, I wimped out, but Mike Miller, K M O S Garden Hotline. And if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments about your yard, your landscape, or house plants, or anything else, three one four. or 1-800-925-1120.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks,
3: 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I was talking about during my fake good gardening stroll, about all the snow that's building up on the evergreens and how they're bending the branches and stuff like that, do not go out and hit them really hard to get that snow off there. For the most part, the snow... If you've got a healthy plant, it should be able to handle the weight of the snow that's on them. So as the snow melts or drops off or whatever due to you know, other weather conditions or anything else, the branches should return to their normal, let's say, structure. But uh, a lot of people go out and they think if I knock the snow off, that's going to be to the advantage of the plant because the branches are bending. But no, that's kind of bad because you can really make some bad bruises and you could actually crack, cause more cracks by hitting the branches on evergreens than the actual weight of the snow so just don't do that save your save your plants and save the time and energy also uh, make sure that you treat your neighboring juncos cardinals goldfinches purple finches doves chickadees blue blue jays grackles wrens sparrows titmice mockingbirds woodpeckers sapsuckers uh, Right, buy good seed. Don't buy the cheap seed just because you're trying to save some money because the cheap seed has a lot of fillers in it. And these fillers, the birds don't eat. They just rake it out onto the ground. So I was I, I forgot to ask Mr. Kelly about uh I know he's an avid bird feeder. And uh, since he stayed in the hotel, he got so lucky, so ritzy. Uh, I wonder who put the bird seed out. I guess his wife did or his neighbor maybe helped out as well. So... The bird seed, not only you can buy cheap bird seed, though, cheap bird seed is not for the birds, but just you can use it for the traction, you know, throw it out on your sidewalks and patios and things like that, because bird seed can help with the traction factor as long as, you know, with traction seed and a couple other things, too, that I'll talk about. Uh, Ellen lives in Sunset Hills. Ellen, how are you?
4: I'm Good. Thank you, Mike. You stole my thunder. I was going to ask you about the. As I'm staring at my window, I wanted to go knock the snow off my everybody, but I'm not going to do that now. So now I'm going to ask you, do you have a remote to fill my bird feeder? That was my next one. Does anybody sell
3: those? Yeah, let me see. What's your address? I got a drone that I can bring some bird seed over. <laughs>
4: No, this is just awesome. Now, so I I can't wait to get out in it, but I'm not going to be able to go, you know, broom off my abbreviations. Is there any other trimming I can do today?
3: (laughs) Maybe mental trimming.
4: (laughs) I hit balls yesterday, 125 golf balls. Oh, really? That either. So I'm looking for a lot to do today. so anyway thank you you answered every question the bird i have a northern flicker out at my i'm so pumped up about this northern flicker at my bird feeder wow i go knock the snow off my suet feeder can i do that
3: uh sure it's just the branches on the you know on the evergreens that's what you don't want to hit
4: that was great advice i appreciate your show and thank you so much
3: well thanks for having me on your show thanks ellen and now evelyn in south county how are you today
5: Hello?
6: Hi. Hi. I have a similar question. I have a Mahonio shrub. Can I go shake those branches? It's totally on the ground.
3: <laughs> well, you don't need to. If you want to, just shake them gently because again, you can cause cracks and these cracks even this time of year with moisture and everything else, a small crack can have the moisture run down the branches and everything else get into the crack and could, could cause some internal, you know, problems. Okay. So,
7: well, do that then thank right. you
3: yeah the heavenly bamboo are great plants and uh i understand but everybody always wants to you know and also when they're down like that we don't know i mean the, the weather people are forecasting generally the temperature is not going to be too outrageous or anything but a lot of times the snow can help protect like it's almost like a coat to the branches on the you know the trees and the, the shrubs and everything else So if it got really cold, it would be something to be concerned with. So thanks, Evelyn. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. And uh, let's see. How about Robert? Robert lives in Fenton. Robert, how are you today?
8: Oh, we're doing pretty good, Mike. We're just sitting here uh, looking out the front door. I got a little uh, street out here called Hawkins Road. And last night, about yesterday afternoon, about 3 o'clock, one of the uh, salt trucks ran off the road and took out the telephone
9: pole,
8: electricity pole. So we've been lucky to run on the generator all night long, but uh, got this morning. And uh, on the other side of the road, uh, on the other side, there's a one over there stuck in the ditch. So I got two of them out there. Of-
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
8: so, this, so the St. Louis County snowplows had a rough night last night, but they do a good job. And the, the road is clear out there. It's black. I can see the blacktop. But one's over on the laying on its side, sleeping all night long. <laughs> and the other oh, one, boy. he's over there. He's over there waiting for somebody to pull him out of a ditch. <laughs> he's not as bad. He just got his wheels off on the side. And, uh, you know, he's just sitting there in the cab nice and warm. But uh, it's a beautiful day. We're warm, and uh hope everybody out there is the same way.
3: I Yeah, sound, Sounds great. Thanks. Thank yeah. you, Mike. Yep. And, you know, it is t- – the guys that run these you know i actually I was going to give the tip of the trial to all the guys that do the you know the brine waters and everything else to try to you know anticipate the storms because we saw Tracy and I were out yesterday actually, and uh well let's say no, it was on thursday they were they were getting the brine water down already, so they're staying trying to stay ahead of the game, but there's going to be times where they hit you know certain slick spots and they're going to go down and that's unfortunately what uh, has happened there in right in front of your house, actually, with two trucks down at once. So thanks, Robert. And if anybody else has any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you remember right before the snow, we had several very windy days. The winds were coming straight up 44, straight out of the southwest, and they were blowing so many leaves into our yard. I have a pile of leaves just from the wind blowing, that's almost waist high. Our front yard is sloped, you know, and it slopes down to the sidewalk, and then it goes across the street, and then that's where Christie Park is. The majority of these leaves are from the oak trees, and they are huge this year. And I, you know, I just couldn't get out there and get them picked up, so now I have a giant pile of leaves right to where the wind kind of blows it right up over the top of uh, our little sloped front yard, And then they get stuck there because the wind doesn't hit on the other side of this slope, this turn, because we're on a corner. And also we've got all kinds of leaves, you know, right along the street and up, you know, it's just amazing the amount of leaves. I was hoping that those leaves, because of all the rain and everything else we had, were going to be stuck together and not blow. But boy, that wind for the—we had really almost three days of really pretty strong winds. And, man, oh, man, I don't think I'm going to be doing any leaf raking today because of all the snow mixed into it, but uh, I'm going to have to be doing it sometime soon. Let's jump the river and go over to O'Fallon, Illinois. Joyce, how are you today?
5: I'm well, thank you, Mike. I have a question. Um, I have, uh, I'm forcing some bulbs in a, uh, for spring, in a terrarium-type container, and the bulbs are coming up beautifully, but... Uh, the problem is that the tips of the, the green is turning brown, and I don't know. Uh, there, I have a lid on it, of course, and so the the container is generating its own moisture, but I don't know why the tips are turning brown. Would you have any idea about what's, what's happening here?
3: Yeah, I would have to think it's related to the moisture. So the fact that you are keeping them, you know, they probably don't need to have that much moisture that's, you know, if the soil the medium that they're growing in was you know at the right amount that's st- you know stimulated or ca- you know was a catalyst for the growth of the foliage then i think you could take the top of it off and not have to worry about that and maybe let it dry but those brown tips are not going to change so that's you know that's kind of what you're going to be stuck with for th- it is what it is yeah, yeah exactly
5: well do you think that they'll still continue to grow or should i just say
3: I think that as long as they, you know, as long as it's just the tip that's brown and the rest of the foliage is green, I think you're probably fine. It's okay. you know, I don't know when you you know when they started sprouting or anything else or what type of bulb are they? Are they crocus? Are they hyacinths?
5: Well, it's a it's a mixture. It, it's a combination of uh, various bulbs. I don't remember exactly what all I put in there to be honest with you. Right. But um, uh, well, I'll do that. I'll just remove it. Perhaps it's just like a, a rotting.
3: Yeah, just watch out because I mean, in a terrarium, there's I mean, there's no way for the actually the potting mix that you I'm assuming you're growing them in can sort of like exhale moisture, and especially if you have a roof or a lid on top of it, and that so the moisture content you make, start getting some bulb rot. So just be very very careful.
5: I will. Well, thank you very much for your advice. I appreciate that. Well,
3: thank you. And, yeah, I mean, forcing bulbs is always great fun. And, uh, you know, in terrariums, it's, you know, something I really have never done. I've done it in pots myself. I potted up bulbs, various types, and then put them in refrigerators for about eight weeks and then taking them out. Just regular, you know, plastic pots, yes, but with drainage holes and everything else. Then I water them once, and that's pretty much it. At when I take them out of the refrigerator, the refrigerator is just give them the cold treatment, just like if they were outside. And then after I water them, I don't water them again unless I notice that maybe the foliage is kind of drooping or weeping a little bit. But uh, that's the only time I do. So uh, that's I mean, forcing bulbs is great fun. One of my favorite ones just happens to be hyacinths. But I do like to do the snowdrops as well. And I do like the crocus. The daffodils always seem to be a little bit disappointing, at least as my experience has said. It's not like they're not great, but uh, I think some of the bulbs that are smaller just do a little bit better. And there are miniature daffodils, too, so you could certainly take that approach if you'd like. So thanks, Joyce. And anybody else, questions or concerns, 314? 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these
1: messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's uh, take a look at Facing the Dirty Truth. I know that's really harsh, but a gentleman this past week or so, he'd sent me an email and he said, I've been gardening in the same space for, it's like 20 by 30 square foot area, and uh, I had great success for multiple years, and now the last couple of years, everything is just kind of imploding. It starts up great, and then as the season goes on, harvest time or whatever, whether there's tomatoes or other It's all edibles, basically. Then everything kind of implodes. And he he asked me, he said, I thought one time you said you could microwave soil and stuff. No, you can't microwave soil. And he said, well, maybe you. And then he also said, maybe if I put a plastic sheet over it, I could kill whatever the problem is. No, don't do that. It just makes the problem even worse. But also, facing the dirty truth, get a soil test. You know, if you've done, If you've been gardening this same space for 20 plus years and then suddenly the last couple of years things have gone downhill, what that probably indicates is that you, more than likely you've been using the same fertilizer over all these years and then you're getting extravagant levels of certain things. The soil pH may have been altered as a result of the fertilizer you're using and everything else. So there's nothing you can do ex, you know, except starting with a soil test. Go to the very basics, the dirty truth. That's what soil tests are all about. Let's head to South City and go into Ron Jard. Hi, Ron.
10: Hi there. Um, <clears throat> being a redhead, I've got a serious issue uh, sitting out in the sun. Uh, uh, while I'm here in St. Louis, uh, if uh, TSA decides to come to work and if they're able to get Lambert open, uh, I'm supposed to be in St. Thomas Sunday morning, and I was wondering which particular kind of uh, uh, palm tree I should be sitting under uh, to protect <laughs> myself from the sun.
3: I would say a date palm. <laughs> a date palm? <laughs> They're a little bit I mean, shorter. Some of those are day so day. tall, you're never going to be able to get any shade from them. Uh,
10: I have to look. I have to look. So <laughs> uh, it's uh, it got down to 70 degrees last night in st thomas um uh, and i anticipate sunday afternoon um that uh, i'll be uh, enjoying dinner uh overlooking charlotte Amalie bay um it probably be 85 degrees i i don't know how warm it'll be but it'll certainly be better than what i've got now
3: <laughs> what what could be more fun than this at least it's not 16 below zero or something
10: i've done
1: that thing (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) well thanks
3: thanks ron yep yeah uh date palms uh you can tell them they got dates hanging off of them so uh wow that's a wild question but uh anybody else has any questions 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 Good thing to do as well is really take the time and maybe, you know, maybe not right now this early in the morning or uh, realize that this is the big recycling day by the Earth Day Foundation and the Missouri Botanical Garden. It's at one of the lots at the Botanical Garden, the one, the big lot that's at, I think it's at Shaw and Vandeventer. So if you do get out and you do have things to recycle, there's going to be vendors that take electric stuff. There's going to be vendors that take metal stuff, all kinds of different vendors. So you just bring in your stuff. They'll help you unload your car. And I believe it's from 11 to 4 today. So if you are into recycling, the roads get a little bit clearer and you feel like getting out. (sighs) I mean, it could be. Hopefully, I you know, I'm assuming it hasn't been shut down, but I don't know that for sure. Maybe I shouldn't even be talking about it, but I just know the Recycling Day is today and is by the Earth Day Foundation in conjunction with the Missouri Botanical Garden. So do that. Barbara lives in Ferguson. Barbara, how are you?
7: I'm doing excellent this morning. How are you? Very good. Good. Here's my question. I've got a sweet gum tree in my front yard, and um, the foliage, of course, is always beautiful. The but- colors of the leaves change. But I've been uh, raking my leaves against the base of the tree. Um, And now I do have a problem with the roots kind of coming up through the yard. Uh, Is this a good idea or a bad idea to rake the leaves back up against the base?
3: Well, the roots uh, are not a result of you doing that. So they're they're completely opposite. Uh, If you don't get them piled up too high, that's okay. But in reality, you should probably run a mower over them first and chip them up and turn them into leaf mold, M-O-L-D, and use that as a mulch as opposed to just raking the leaves up on it. Because a lot of times what that can do is sort of creates a nice little environment, let's say, for some of the rodents that live around. So like moles and not moles necessarily, but mice, field mice, uh, voles, things along that line. And what they can do is they want to live in there underneath that protection of those leaves, but also they can start chewing on bark and cause problems from that standpoint. So just leaves in and of themselves, I don't think it's really a good idea. If they were kind of chopped up into pieces, not bad, but uh, just don't pile them up too high regardless of what you decide to do.
7: Okay, and what about the the sweet gumballs themselves?
3: (laughs) (laughs) As far as using them as a mulch up next to your trunk?
7: Yeah, because I just pile them all up against a sweet gum. Right. You know.
3: They're not really doing anything. I mean, they are organic, but uh, it's not... uh, I mean, your other option is to, like, bag them up or do whatever. I don't know how it works in Ferguson as far as if you have yard waste dumpsters, you have to bag them and take them someplace or whatever it is.
7: Yeah, they pick up every Monday. Oh, do they? Wow. Uh
3: That's great. But, uh, I mean, that's probably the ideal thing. But if it's, you know, more work than what you care for, then you're going to have to do it, you know, the best way for you.
7: Okay, I sure appreciate it. Thank you so much.
3: Certainly. And, uh, yeah, it's just piling leaves up next to trunks is just not a really good idea. It's not the same as putting compost or mulch or any of that other kind of stuff next to your trunk. It's just a different kind of circumstance. And the reason why is when you've, let's say, Leaves have been turned into leaf mold, which that's kind of run through a more or less a shredder, which cuts them up into small pieces. The moisture content and everything else is less because if you go out there and you piled up leaves, full-size leaves, and you start raking those leaves away from the trunk just a little bit, you'll see how moist it is down there. When it's leaf mold, there is going to be some moisture, but its moisture is going to be a lot less than if it is leaves because the leaves – all pack up on top of each other and prevent any kind of dehydration of the moisture up next to the trunk. I'm not saying it's going to rot your bark or anything because, let's say, a sweetgum tree out in the woods by itself, the leaves may pile up next to the trunk as a result of that. But uh, those trees are a little bit tougher than what the typical landscape tree is as far as a sweet gum. So thanks, Barbara. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and
7: thank you so much. Have Certainly. a great new year.
3: Okay, thank hey, you. Bye. Well, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much also. And, uh, you know, heading, like I said, you can go to the Botanical Garden and take a look around and just see some of the plant materials. Just walk. The walkways are always clear there. When I worked on staff there, that was one of the first things. They, we had staff members on the grounds crew that would volunteer to come in as soon as it started snowing to keep everything clean and clear. I, was a little, I lived a little bit further away, so at that time – and so I I never volunteered to come in early, but then I would sort of work later on in the day after they already had their 8 hours, I'd keep everything as clean as possible. So I'm sure the garden, the parking lot and everything else is always going to be taken care of. Getting there is right off 44, City 44, so it's not where the problems are. But it'd be kind of, one of the coolest things that I ever enjoyed myself was just uh taking a step inside the climatron. When you got weather like this, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's like you're in a surreal world. So that would be something to consider doing today. Maybe if you want to do something a little bit different after you're tired of shoveling in your own landscape, if you do need to shovel. So just take care of that kind of circumstance. Um, Again, I'm going to mention this too. Probably most of us have already gotten rid of our holiday decorations but if you do have trees and you don't know what you're going to actually do with them, you can call the local parks department and see if they have a use for them. Or you can use them by just leave them. These are real trees. They're you know, cut trees. And just set them around in your landscape because the local birds love to kind of use them as sort of a shelter, as a landing spot, and especially put them near where your bird feeders are. They're going to really enjoy that. So let's see what else we need to be thinking about. There's so many things. Even though it's January, how about taking a look in your garage? Did you forget to plant those daffodils or those tulips or anything else like that? If you did, you could certainly plant them if you want to, but I wouldn't. You can't do it today, obviously. But I wouldn't basically expect them to flower. They may push foliage, but they're not going to flower. So, Anyway, Mike Miller, K M O S Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I was talking about too with the lady talking about raking leaves up next to her trunk and everything else, uh, it's just an invitation to, you know for kind of you know problems from all those rodents, those Let's say moles, no, moles could care less, voles, chipmunks, squirrels, mice, even skunks. I mean, they're not going to necessarily be attracted to where you got leaves piled up next to the trunk of a tree. But uh, those are the kind of animals that could cause damage to your landscape as well as the deer. They're going after food and moisture, you know, to survive the wintertime. And they have a different approach as far as what they're potentially going to do. They could do damage to bark. They could do damage to root systems. And uh, all kinds of other things. So as much as I like you know, watching the squirrels and all the other, let's say, natural animals that are out there, they can be problematic in certain circumstances. So just realize that. So let's head up to Overland and go into Carter's yard. Hi, Carter.
11: Good morning, Mike. Thank you for uh, for what you do for St. Louis. I know it's a difficult job for you uh, on a day like today when nobody's really out in their yard. But, uh, <laughs> we appreciate you nonetheless. Um, my question may not have a simple answer, but I hope you have an opinion on it. And it has to do with the soil quality and content that you're always talking about, how to create a healthy soil right. for any plant material and, and, and how important that really is. So when you look at that on one hand, and on the other hand, you have... Uh, seems like an increased popularity of hydroponic growing of vegetables, you know home use. I know it happens on a large scale commercially, right, but for people that are doing it residentially for their own home use i don 't understand how the, the 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 content of the water used to grow these plants hydroponically can equal the quality of a good, healthy soil. Can you help me understand? You know, if it's a good idea, if it's a not a good idea, just what your opinion is on on vegetables, the nutrient content that is in a vegetable grown hydroponically compared to in a good healthy soil, and maybe this is is not something for this show, but I thought I would give you uh, give you a chance at your opinion on it.
3: Right? No, I think it's fine. It's just you. Yeah, I mean the system is set up with all kinds of other things rather than just let's say regular fertilizer that you would use in your soils. It's got to have the microbes and everything else because if you're going to do it hydroponically. So that's a major difference. You have to have very specific type of, let's say, amendments that you put in the water to be able to do hydroponic. And if you don't have exactly the right stuff in the right circumstance, it takes a very specific type of water so you'd have to have your water tested to find out what the water pH is to see if it's too alkaline, if it's too this, it's too that. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very involved process. But, you know, in growing things in soil is a very involved process to get good soil, so it's just a you know it's a situation you just can't sort of like jump in and say, "Oh, I saw in this catalog this way to hydroponically grow things." It's going to take much more of background information to be able to have some success with it. It's just, you know, it's you know the space and everything else is going to be very very important on where you're going to do it. It's probably going to be inside, I'm assuming, and then you're going to have to have grow lights, you're going to have to have other things, you know, that are really orchestrated correctly or you're just going to have no success whatsoever with the hydroponics
11: so these commercially available systems the I assume that they have a packet of some kind that you put into the water um, that provides the nutrients for the growing right. plants are those really uh, are those geared towards a specific like if I want to grow uh, zucchini or if I want to grow kale or tomatoes are they specifically geared towards these different plants, and I have to really be careful do the commercial suppliers really have these zeroed in on what's needed for these different
3: They plants? do and I mean probably the, there's only a few things that you know have to have let's say something a little bit different like when you go in buying let's say fertilizer for plant material and you see a specific fertilizer for tomatoes and it could be done used on anything that's in the tomato family which includes peppers and other things as well that pr- would probably have a, a sort of a separate nutrient availability in what you're going to add to the water as opposed to something that just generally grows let's say broccoli or cauliflower or whatever else and there are certain things that don't do so well in the hydroponic world i wouldn't think now i don't know that for sure but i've seen you know some of the right as it was beginning when i was still living in california there was major greenhouses that were huge and they were growing things hydroponically but uh i'm sure it's been refined since that point but uh Again, there's still going to be certain things like your water pH is going to be really, really crucial as far as being able to have successful nutrient absorption by the plant root systems.
11: Sure, sure. Okay. Well, I'm just a little old-fashioned. I like the outdoor (laughs) growing in a real (laughs) garden, and uh, I've just been considering for the wintertime something that's hydroponic. So I don't know. I'll still... uh... Still have to consider for a little bit. But I thank you for your input and your opinion. It always matters and always good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Mike.
3: Well, thank you, and thank you very much. Interesting question. And, uh, yeah, the hydroponics, um, you know, I'm an outdoor kind of guy myself, so having the plants inside, that's great. I do bring in certain tropical plants and put them under grow lights in my basement and things like that, but uh, I'm not doing them with hydroponics by any means. I just leave them in the, the big pots that I have them in. So thanks, Carter and Althea and Jennings. How are you?
12: Hi. I'm doing great. Good. I um, took cut my elephant ears down and took them out of the pot. Mm-hmm. What do I do next?
3: I uh, hopefully you brought them inside, right?
12: Well, yes, they're in the basement.
3: So ba- you don't really have to do anything else. You just put them in a spot where they're, you know, they're completely dry and going to be left alone and in the dark, and that's about all you need to do.
12: Oh, you don't put. Oh, okay, I will let it dry out. I put a little water on it because I thought the roots was drying out too much.
3: No, you want those roots to dry. You don't want the big bulb to dry. But if you what you have to be careful of is if you put water on them, you could cause a rotting circumstance. All right. So just let them dry, put them in paper bags. That would be the ideal thing. I have all mine in you know in the basement underneath this work table. And uh in paper bags, basically.
12: Okay, and I have them in a little soil.
3: Uh you don't need the soil. You don't need soil I whatsoever. The so they just—I mean—they're tough. They're durable, and they just have the—you know—the bulb, your elephant ear bulb, or your canna bulb, or whatever it happens to be you know, just in a paper bag. And uh, if you've got a whole lot of them, then you maybe put some newspaper in between each one. But uh, other than that, they don't want soil. They don't want moisture. They don't want anything.
5: Okay. we Will do.
3: Great. Great. All right. Thank you. Certainly. Let's go over to Carbondale and see what's going on with Lee. Lee, how are you today?
13: Uh, I'm doing excellent. Uh, and I want to thank you for your service to the community. Uh, and uh, i I've got a solution for people with gumballs—the uh, sweet gumballs. Ah. Uh, they make excellent na- landfill uh, gravel. Uh, you, you just keep growing the stuff, and it just keeps filling holes. Uh, <laughs> I use it for and uh, they compact down real good. Uh, so, uh, gravel uh, fill. Uh, but uh, the reason I called is uh, I'm uh, looking to put a some kind of a hedge or border on a uh, property line. Uh, it's going to be on the north side of my house. Uh, i probably got a good uh, uh, 30, 40, 50 feet between my house and the edge of the property. Uh, I'm trying to look at something that uh, could provide me with some kind of wind blockage, especially in the winter.
8: Uh,
3: is this full sun? Yes. Okay, so there's no competition from shade factor or, let's say, large trees in close proximity? None. Okay. I would probably take a look at some of the different types of upright junipers, like ketleri, K-E-T-L-E-E-R-I. I would look at that as opposed to doing the pines, unless you want something that's going to be get really wide. But probably, ideally, maybe do a mixture of a couple different things, a couple different types of upright junipers, I wouldn't do the arborvitae, even though the green giant has been very, very popular and everything else, and is quite fast-growing. The junipers are native to this region, not that particular one, the Ketleri, but its cousins are. And consequently, that means they're tough, they're durable, and they can withstand all our crazy weather and things along that line.
13: Yeah, I guess we're going to have more to come. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't know what's, you know...
3: Right around the corner, either. I mean, remember a few days ago, it was so warm and it was so nice, and then we had that really windy spell, and now this, and you just don't know what's going to happen. And that's why the junipers are tough. Now there are, you know, I mean, you have spruces, you have pines and everything else, but the junipers are going to have somewhat of a, you know, let's say, controlled growth circumstance. They're not going to get massive. They're not going to cause problems, and they're just tough.
13: Okay. Well, thank you. Have fun.
3: Yep, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will do that. And uh, Mary, if you could do it kind of quick. Mary from Maryville.
6: Yes. Uh, we have just moved into a new home, and the gentleman that lived here before had hydrangeas mm-hmm. all around the house. And we don't know if we're supposed to cut those back or leave those flowers on or what to do with them.
3: Well, the spent flowers, in other words, the, sort of the round brown bracts, you can cut those yeah. off because they, yes, they don't they do can. anything.
6: They've but, got big flowers on them. Wait, big tells you an Big pom pom.
3: Yeah, those can be cut off. So just cut them right below where the you know where they're attached to the stem and just discard them. So that's just strictly that doesn't do anything for the let's say the overall health of the plant in the future. And I wouldn't okay. do other than cutting those off. I wouldn't do any pruning further down on any of them at all because there are a couple different varieties of juniper or of hydrangeas. And consequently, there are some that bloom in the springtime, there are some that bloom in the summertime, and then some that even bloom late summer. And then there are some that are continuous bloomers. So since you're new in the house, cutting off the flowers, you know, go ahead and do that, the spent flowers. But don't do any pruning for a full year until you can find out exactly what varieties you have. Then that way you can find out when or if you should be doing any pruning at all.
6: Okay, so those stems that are holding the flowers, we leave we leave those on.
3: Yeah, right? just leave the stems.
6: Okay, okay, because they're all around the house. They're beautiful. Right. I mean, they've you know they've dried, and we just didn't know what to do now.
3: Yeah, you don't have to cut them off, but ultimately you're going to have to take them off. But uh, you don't have to do it right now. Obviously, on a day like this, you're not going to. So, right. thanks, Mary from Maryville. What a coincidence. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news.
1: KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline, tip of the trowel hour. That's the second hour. I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can call 314 436-7900 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We're here to discuss plant selection, the ups and downs, and all arounds for annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, house plants, lawn, perennials, roses, shrubs, trees, vines, and water gardens. I like sharing my thoughts, but remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered to you as maybe an option. And across the big board as I sit here in front of the microphone is Greg. He's producing again for this hour. And uh, during the week, I spend my time doing landscape consulting, where I come to your home to discuss what is, can, should, might happen in your landscape, whether aesthetic or problem-solving. And if you're interested in having me coming come to your home and doing a walk and talk, you can go to my website, www.mikemillardesigns.com. The homepage is where my email and phone number are listed. You can contact me, and we'll I'll come over to your home, and we'll share everything that I happen to know and some a lot I don't know. But I can make it up because I know a lot of adjectives. And if you don't know if the answer is right or not, then... I can just say anything I want to. No, anyway. So a tip of the trial goes out to all the snow removers, man. Just you know, coming from South City here to downtown, there was you know there was there was plows. There are trucks putting brine out. And so it's not just the, let's say, the highway department or the city street department. I mean, the individual landscape contractors and people that are out doing parking lots, like for gas stations and stores and things along that line. So a tip of the trial goes out to them and also to Tracy, my wife. <laughs> she was so worried about me getting out and being able to come down to do the garden hotline today. Twice yesterday, one time, kind of late in the evening, uh, she went out and shoveled the walkways so I could get to my car easier. So a tip of the trial goes out to Tracy for doing it. I kept saying, Tracy, you don't need to do it. I can handle it. It'll be okay. But she's she kept worrying, so it was just she decided to go ahead and do it. And <laughs> it was like, uh, thank you, Tracy. I greatly appreciate it. So tip of the trial goes out to her. And, I mean, the snow removal is going to have to continue because as we look out the windows right here over towards Soldier Memorial to the left and the main library to the right of where we are, it's snowing pretty hard. I mean, it's, again, that snow that's coming straight down. And it's just kind of amazing where sometimes when there's extended snow periods, some of the flakes will be small, some will be big depending upon what time and everything else. These have been sort of consistently the same size, you know, watching it yesterday and everything else. So I'm just kind of surprised. So hopefully, you know, I can get home and get everything taken care of. So, again, if you do have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or one 800 let us go over to Cahokia and see what's going on with Charles. Charles, how are you today? Charles, are you there?
9: Yes, I am. Okay, great. Uh, i got two questions about two trees. One is an apple tree. It's about 50 years old. I was wondering if I could uh, trim the top of it at this point of the year, keep it from being so tall, going straight up. Uh,
14: You probably
3: could, but uh, a 50-year-old apple tree... Are you pruning it just for this? You know, just because you want the aesthetics. Because it's, is it still producing apples? Usually, when they get to be oh, that yeah. age, they're not producing anymore.
9: It's still producing. It it has just tons of them at times.
3: Wow, that's amazing.
9: Last year they were this um, size, you know, about six to eight inches round.
3: You're kidding! That's incredible. You should probably. Uh, take cuttings of that and propagate it and call it Charles Apple Tree, and guarantee to live for 50 years and be viable. But no, you could prune it, but uh, I would probably, because the flowers are kind of nice, go ahead, I would let them go ahead and flower and then prune it right after they finish flowering.
9: Okay. Now, I have another one that I planted around uh, seven, maybe years ago, seven, eight years ago. Um, the, the thing about this one is that it looked as if it may have cross-pollinated. Is that possible?
3: I didn't quite understand what you were saying.
9: This, this one apple tree that I planted about eight years ago, mm-hmm. it looked as if this has cross-pollinated with something. It looked like it became a mulberry tree instead of an apple tree.
3: Whoa. No, that's not possible. So I didn't think so. Yeah, what may have happened is the apple tree may have died, but uh, you know, let's say some birds dropped some mulberries in that spot and maybe grew that way or whoever sold you the apple tree actually sold you a mulberry tree?
9: Actually, my granddaughter ate the apple, planted <laughs> the tree, and we watched it grow. Ah, uh, well that's we, great. We, so We I mean, had one small part get broken off of it, but I watched the tree very carefully and that same part grew back. It just looked differently for some reason.
3: Right. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, there's no way that an apple tree can become a mulberry tree. So, some other way that you know the mulberry tree got you know put in that let's say dropped into that location.
9: All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much.
3: Well, thank you, Charles. And now let's go to Springfield, which is actually Greg's hometown, and uh, talk with Jerry. Jerry, how are you?
15: Hey, uh, good to speak with you, Mike. Uh, I got a uh, Christmas cactus that uh, wants to. Cut- throw out a couple of blossoms around Thanksgiving and maybe one more for the uh, the December 25th time and that's about it. I've had this plant for about, oh I don't know 10-15 years and uh, it was doing pretty well indoors Uh, and then one season it didn't and I, I had a suggestion that I should keep it outside during the summer tried that and here we are, very few blossoms on a Very otherwise, the foliage is fine, but uh, we're all those nice red blossoms that we look forward to.
3: (laughs) Well, it may be an age factor, but also, are you fertilizing it?
5: Yeah, yeah, with Uh,
3: cactus fertilizer. No, oh, well, use because sometimes something like this, you know, could there might be a little bit of micronutrients that could trigger the blooming, but uh, Uh. if everything looks healthy and everything else. And, you're, and you do end up fertilizing it with cactus fertilizer. That's not to say guarantee that you're going to get the flowering, but it may just be an age factor as much as anything else. But what you okay, can we'll do is...
15: The, uh, we'll try the uh, cactus fertilizer then.
3: Right. Yeah, but I, also what you can do is contact the, the Henry Shaw Cactus Society. And you know hmm. they have a, a website where you can you know, actually get some very specific information from these cactus experts.
15: Cool. Uh, What's that again? Henry Shaw, S-H-A-W? Yeah, Henry
3: Shaw, he was the one that founded the Missouri Botanical Garden, and the Cactus Society is named after him.
15: Cool. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Have a wonderful weekend. You do the
3: very same thing. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Looking out the window right here, as I said before, it is really snowing hard again. It's just kind of amazing. It's really sort of spectacular. The only thing is, uh, now I got to drive home and it's. (laughs) Anyway, another thing too. Uh, In California, the brine that they put, you know, I mean, the valley and the coastal areas, they don't have snow, so you don't have to worry about that, the Central Valley. But in the mountains, they actually mix beet juice with the brine, and it seems to make it more effective. And they can do the beet juice with it because, guess what? There's a lot of beet production in California. So that's just you know an amazing thing. Uh, one thing, too, dangerous liquids, unfrozen water, is What it is is really tiny molecules that are in motion. And as it gets colder, what happens as the temperature drops below 32, that movement stops. And then these molecules stick together, and that's what forms ice. So just, and you know, let's say naturally water is just moving around. The molecules that actually form the H2O that form that, is in motion, but when it gets cold, they stop and they bond together. Now, also, if you're using a de-icer, do not, you're probably, it's not best to use just a standard old-time rock salt. That's basically the same stuff that you put on your food, but it can do some real damage to lots of plant materials and other things, as well as, you know, let's say, degrade whatever hardscape you're putting it on. So there are calcium chloride rather than sodium chloride. So get the calcium chloride. There are other de-icers as well. As I said in the first hour, I mean, for traction, I mean, just putting out cheap bird seed on the, you know, on the ground. Now on ice, that uh, might be a little bit iffy, but tr- there is some traction sand that works. And also people do put wood ash out on, you know, on ice. But uh, I don't recommend putting the wood ash either because it could be problematic. Once it starts, you know, everything melts down and that runs off into your landscape. It could cause some problems. Let's say, Joan in Illinois, how are you?
16: Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question about my geraniums. I had a couple last summer that I had in pots. And uh, throughout the summer, they kind of got... Uh, yellow leaves on them and then they would turn dark and drop off and I cleaned the plants up and uh, took all the top soil right off of them brought them in the house trying to keep them over winter and they have done okay but they are still every once in a while getting those yellow leaves turning black and dropping off. Is there anything I can do to Save these plants. They kind of look kind of bad.
3: <laughs> if they look bad, give them the toss. No, what you can do is you're you may be overwatering because usually, I mean, geraniums are not really technically house plants. My grandmother for years she always brought her geraniums in and she put them in the basement in front of basement windows, and you know she never even watered them the entire winter time because geraniums have big hmm. thick stems and then consequently what she would do is when it, the weather got warm enough like let's say late April mid May in that time frame there she would take them outside she would cut them and a lot of times she would even like the cuttings that she took she would let them heal and just stick them back into the you know in the potting mix where she was growing them and so consequently you're, if, there's, if the leaves are turning black, not brown, that means there's probably too much moisture there. And with that thick stem, they're not technically cactus, but they need a lot less water in the wintertime than what you might imagine. So stop watering.
16: Okay. Now, some of the stems, when I've, they've kind of died back and I've cut them off, there's like a black oozing type um, thing coming from them. Ooh. Is that a disease in there?
3: Yeah, it's a rot. So, in other words, that particular stem is, you know, it's a goner. Okay. It's not going to recover.
16: What about the whole plant? Will it?
3: Not necessarily. So hopefully, like I said, cut, you know, stop watering entirely. No fertilizer, no nothing. Put them, yeah, you know, I don't know if you have them in front of a window or not. That's going to be the best thing you can do for them. But uh, just stop watering.
16: Okay. Actually, I have them under grow light. Oh, great. So, How long anyhow. are you running the grow lights? Twelve hours? Uh, yes.
3: Okay, good. There's
16: something around that.
3: That's perfect. And just uh, like I said, just stop watering.
16: Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Certainly. Yeah. It's uh,
3: you know geraniums are they're really quite tough and durable and uh, but a lot of times we bring things in and think they need care and uh, they don't. <laughs> they prefer not to be cared for. Uh, speaking of houseplants and stuff, I have this rosemary tree that we bought, uh, let's say, probably a little, maybe two weeks before Thanksgiving, and uh, we, I have it in a window. It's in on the north side of the house, and it's slowly but surely now. It's like probably mm, three months old, and it's getting tired of being inside. So there are some of the lower branches and everything else that are starting to turn brown, and I've stopped watering entirely But uh, I think I'm going to end up just taking it outside and see what's going to happen to it. I'm not going to do it today. But some things, you know, can do well for extended periods of time because a lot of times I'll say herbs like, let's say, rosemary can grow as a houseplant. Technically, it can. It's not dead. It's just that, you know, aesthetically, it's starting to lose some of its value. So thanks, Joan. And if anybody else has any questions or concerns, 314 Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. You're not going to do it today by any means, but aerating and feeding your soil. This is what is called. It's not a core aeration, but it's basically what you're going to do is you're going to get a drill with an uh, auger, earth auger, which is a bigger drill bit, and you're going to go out from the trunk about half start about halfway out to the extension of the branches and you're going to do a concentric circle all the way around. And what you're going to do is you're going to auger this hole down with the electric drill and earth auger, about six or eight inches or so, and then you're going to backfill that hole with compost. And each one of these holes is going to be about two feet apart as you go all the way around. Then you're going to do another circle of holes, and you're going to go out about two more feet, and you're going to do more and more and more until you're going just – Slightly beyond the extension of the branches. So this aerates the soil, which soil has to be aerated. That's what the problem is with heavily compacted soils like clay. Air can't get down in there for the plant roots. And then also you're feeding the soil by putting the compost in there. So it's, the nutrient factor is really, really important. So backfilling it uh, is just ideal. So when the weather is nice and you feel like going out and augering some holes and they don't you don't have to be precise or exact with the two feet and everything else. But just generally healthy soil is what makes healthy plants. Fertilizer is great, but fertilizer is more like more like cosmetic. Yes, it adds nutrients and everything else. But a healthy soil is really what determines healthy plants. That is the main factor. So just understand that that's kind of you know kind of going to be the case. And this core aeration, you know, with the with the earth auger, about every three years should be adequate. Let's go to Jan, and Jan lives in Swansea. Hi, Jan. Hi,
6: Mike. Hi. Uh, I um I just moved here very recently from Southern California. Whoa. I'm trying to figure out some landscaping ideas. I have room for a small tree, and I saw one the other day that just stopped me in my tracks. It was a beautiful small tree, and it was covered in red berries. I don't know what it was, but I just loved it, and I wondered if you could help me figure out what it might be and if the birds—because I'd like to plant things that the birds like also. Sure.
3: Well, it could be a couple different things. There are deciduous-type holly, so generally they don't have a single trunk, but they're going to produce a huge amount of berries— Mm -hmm. so that the birds like there are crab apples so it could be a crab apple Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's a little difficult without seeing it or seeing the bark or anything else to kind of figure out what it is but look at the look online maybe since you want something relatively small like the winter berry holly that's a deciduous holly so Mm -hmm. then there are the evergreen hollies like the american holly that uh, you know it's going to get a little bit maybe larger than what you want But uh, those are probably the ones. There is a hawthorn as well, but the hawthorns do have thorns on them. That's calling it a hawthorn, and it kind of makes sense. But
6: oh, I didn't get up close enough to see if there were thorns.
3: Yeah. So what you can do is just take a look at the hawthorn. Take a look at because there are some varieties of crab apples. You know, crab apples are going to be smaller than other ones. Some of them are going to get quite large. And then the winterberry holly. Take a look at that.
6: Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate Certainly.
3: It. Where'd you live in Southern California?
6: Um, Palm Springs, California. Uh,
3: wow. Because I was, uh, my last uh, year and a half was in the Air Force at Riverside. I got discharged there, and then I went moved down to San Diego for San Diego State. And then I moved up to Santa Barbara to finish off with botany up there. And oh, uh, wow. then I moved back here. It's been a long time ago. But uh, Southern California is very, very different as far as plant material goes
6: very different very different <laughs> but i'm looking forward to gardening in this climate all right <laughs> and i uh, look i enjoy your your show very very much
3: well thanks jan i greatly appreciate it
6: okay thank you bye bye
3: yep mike miller kmox garden hotline back after these messages
1: welcome back to the st louis composting garden hotline once again here's mike miller on kmox
3: And there's Ryan Schulte. He's one of the engineers. He's making sure everything's working okay. We're good. All right. (laughs) Came rushing in. (sighs) I thought maybe something had happened. Let's head out to High Ridge and go into Jim's yard. Hi, Jim.
11: Yes, sir. I'm at at my kitchen window and I'm looking out and I don't see any leaves on the ground. That makes it real nice, don't it?
0: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yes. That's what snow's all about. It covers all that kind of heartache. (laughs)
11: Yes, sir. Uh, What's really nice? Well, somebody called about a couple months ago, which I don't get a chance to listen to you all the time, but said that she had bugs on her green beans. May I suggest her buying some green beans that are purple green beans? When they're cooked, they turn green. Wow! I don't have any bugs at all when, that, when yeah. I did that.
3: Really? Do you know what variety that actually happens to be?
11: No, sir, I don't. Oh. A Scarlet something or probably. But I think I got them through burpees. I don't remember really where it was. Right. But they're they're green beans, but they're purple, and the bugs seem to stay away from
3: them. Wow, that's great. Well, thanks yep. for the insight.
11: Okay, sir. Thank you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that kind of insight because I would have never, you know, <sighs> don't grow per. I don't grow beans. Let's put it that way. I don't grow too much edibles. I'm too lazy anymore. Let's go from High Ridge to South City into Bob's yard. Hi, Bob.
9: Yeah, Mike, I heard you talking earlier about—I uh, know MoDOT uses beet juice on the roadways, but I know I was told that beet juice has got nothing to do with beets. Do you have any idea what beet juice is made from?
3: I have no idea. I don't know why they would call it beet juice if it's not from beets. I know.
9: i always, always told that it has nothing to do with beets, and I was wondering if you would have any idea.
3: No, I guess I'll have to go online and you know find out, because I know— the beet juice that they use, the at least what they used to use in the you know in the mountain areas of California was beet juice, so I mean beet beet juice. I don't know if all of it by any means, but uh, that's kind of interesting. See, so thanks for the insight there. I'm going to take a look and find out what that is.
8: Thank you. Yeah. You have a good day. Well,
3: you do the very same thing. So now let's go to South County. And Marie, how are you?
5: I'm well, and you? Very good. <laughs> um, I uh, got a poinsettia, and I was hoping you could tell me how to take care
3: of it. Basically, like with all the plants that are inside, don't overwater. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. Put it in front of a sunny window. No fertilizer this time of year at all, and just realize that uh, you know the, the. My mother had one; she could not grow hardly any house plants whatsoever. But in reality, she had a point. that she had for a long, long period of time. So uh, just kind of keep your fingers crossed. Don't, like I said, don't overwater. But uh, just uh, once you start to see the potting mix shrink away from the inside of the pot, then water it. But don't you know? Don't make it too wet, because they are they are from a tropical part of the world. Yes where there is a lot of rain yes but where they are is the soil is really well drained so I'm sure the potting mix are growing in is well drained as well. also but uh usually what happens and especially if they have that foil wrap around the plastic pot you know the decorative wrap take that off and then just set the pot on a you know on a plate or in a small bowl or a bowl that's just slightly larger than the bottom of the pot it's growing in
5: great okay thank you very much yeah
3: so just full sun i mean that's that's the crucial thing. She had it in a south-facing window, even though we had maple trees on the outside, and she just kind of left it go. And actually, some years it would, you know, produce a colorful bracts. Some years they would just be green. So, you know, that was one of those mysteries. Dusty lives in De Pere. Dusty, how are you? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
14: I was looking at the white right snow falling. Uh huh. And I was thinking about when I was a young kid back in the '30s, when the snow came down, it was black. What? Wow! Yeah, this was a very dirty place back in the thirties.
3: <laughs> very much so. That shows a lot of pollution from coal and things like that up in the air. Yeah.
14: That's before they passed. They passed the Clean Air Act, where you couldn't buy, you couldn't use uh, bituminous coal. Right, and it didn't help much. way, <laughs> Because all the foundries are out.
3: <laughs> wow, we. That's I look at that. That's totally wild.
14: Yeah. It, the weather sure has changed. I remember back, my father was in the retail coal business. And uh, one one year in December, he drove across the ice on the Mississippi River to get to the other side. Really? Uh, yeah. It was wow.
3: That's daring.
14: <laughs> well, there's a lot of people doing it. Not that it only costs 10 cents for the bridge, but it was something to do.
3: <laughs> That's totally crazy. Well, thanks, Dusty, for the insight.
14: Okay. Thank you. Goodbye.
3: Yep. Jenny is in South City. Jenny, how are you?
17: Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Um, I looked up about the um, the beet juice that yes. the Modot uses, mm-hmm. and it it is a byproduct of sugar beets.
3: Ah, so it is really beet juice.
17: It, it really is. Yeah, I I think it goes through a, a process. Right. But um, and then they mix it with with uh, salt brine. Right. Yeah, so well, I just thought I'd let you know.
3: Well, thanks. I greatly appreciate that.
17: Okay. Have a good day. Yeah,
3: so the gentleman that thought it wasn't beet juice, I guess, you know, on the Internet, we're finding out that it really was. I knew it was in California. I didn't know here, but uh, I thought maybe things had changed since I moved back here. So anyway, so it is a byproduct of the beets. Uh,
6: sugar beets. Uh-huh. Sugar
3: beets, right. Yes, <laughs> Who would think there would be that many beats? I mean, the the amount of brine they put out is totally unbelievable. Well, thanks, Ginny. I greatly appreciate it.
17: You're welcome. Thanks, Mike. Certainly.
3: great. You know, that's really kind of the nice thing of this show is to have somebody that takes the time, energy, and effort and is going to make it uh, so I can't, uh, I don't have a chance to look it up while I'm answering questions. So that is just neat that somebody takes the time to do that. So greatly appreciate it. Uh, Your lawns, just realize the snow is great because it's not going to do too much damage. It takes about six to eight inches of snow to equal an inch of water. So having an inch of water after the snow melts is really going to be a plus. It's going to be a positive type thing. So that's really a good thing about the snow. The good thing about the snow is the aesthetics, too. And if you don't have to be out there moving around, walking, driving, or anything else, that even makes it more fun. I see the... As I look across the guys over there at the Soldiers Memorial, they're out there hand shoveling the sidewalks here on the north side of it. So I mean, they do have a little machine that they can push some of the snow, but hand shoveling the sidewalks—that's a lot of sidewalk. Bill lived in Clifton. Bill lives in Clifton Heights. Clifton Heights. How are you, Bill? <laughs>
14: I'm doing fine. Hey, I was looking up. She already said about sugar beets, but also uh, they use uh, beer waste cheese, rind, and molasses in the road mix.
13: You're kidding.
14: No, I looked it up on the Internet, and it's less corrosive.
3: Oh, you're kidding. Wow, that's really great. I appreciate that.
9: Yeah, no problem. Have a good day.
3: Okay, you do the very same thing. Man, oh, man, uh, it's just an eye-opener of all this stuff. So, Gloria and Springfield, how are you today?
17: I'm um, just telling your producer, we, so far we've had six inches with my... My ruler shows six inches, but I know you're, you're beating me by a lot.
3: <laughs> it was surprising how much we've had. Yeah. And now it's kind of slowed down again, but it's, you know, they're talking any place between two and five more inches here. Oh, wow. So That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
17: Anyway, uh, I'm from New York City originally, mm-hmm. and so what do I know about gardening? Uh, and tr- uh, lawns, I mean, in trees. But I have some beautiful old trees. We, the house was uh, probably uh, almost 50 years old when we bought it. And I, pan- I we planted a, a redbud. I had a redbud in my old house. I loved it. And some other um, a maple tree. I never have fertilized, uh, fertilized it or put mulch around it. Am I doing harm?
3: If the tree looks healthy, absolutely not. You don't have to do those. A lot of times the mulch is strictly... You know, it does, especially when they're young. Help keep the soil temperatures even until the root systems gets established, and then also helps conserve a little bit of moisture. But most of, the, for the most part, mulch a lot of times around trees is strictly an aesthetic thing.
17: Uh, okay. So I mean, because they, they're doing fine. Yeah. The redwood and the maple are just doing great.
3: So you don't need to worry about it. If they're looking good, then that's great.
17: Okay, that has been bothering me for a long time. So I'm glad <laughs> I got the chance. Thanks a
3: lot, Mike. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the maple leaves, regardless of the variety, usually are going to be relatively small. So they don't have a tendency to stay around the trees. And, really, even the big oak trees or big leaves, you know, big oaks with big leaves, I mean, they don't hang around either. The prevailing winds can really clean them out pretty quickly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages.
2: Hey guys, it's Alex Ferrario. Join me and Amy Mark scores for Chili's Week in Hockey as we dive deep into the blue season every Monday night. Notes from around the league and everyone's favorite, what's up with that. 8 to 10 Monday nights on KMOX.
1: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, we got about 10 minutes or so. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, man, the... Sort of the information on the beet juice has really been an eye-opener for me. And um, you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. After the show's over today, uh, Rick Edelman will be on at 10 to 11. And then 11 o'clock will be the Healatech Foundation Repair Show with Scott Mosby. So all kinds of great stuff. And then beyond that, all kinds of other stuff. And then I believe it was 730... Is a blues pregame show. So let's head up to Ferguson and go into Gail's yard. Hi, Gail.
6: Good morning, Mike. Uh,
12: the question I have is what do I do with my amaryllis when all of the uh, blooms are done?
3: Then you just let the leaves grow. Okay. Yeah. And let them grow. They're going to get really quite long. Sometimes they'll stay somewhat rigid, but sometimes they may flop a little bit. But as long as they're green and viable, don't worry about them flopping down. And then sometime around, let's say, oh, late September or so, cut all the leaves off. Just don't water them anymore. Don't do anything at all. And just let them sit for a couple months and then put, bring them back out. And then it should, they should send up new flower stalks.
12: Okay, what do I do with the long stalk right now that has the blooms on it? It's a,
3: are they, is it finished flowering or is it still flowering?
12: It's still fl- it's fading, okay. but it's still got flowers.
3: Okay, so as long as, it's, you know, as long as you don't mind it, then just leave them alone. And then when they finish, when the petals have, you know, let's say the petals get really droopy, uh, just cut that flower stalk off.
6: Okay.
12: All right. Very good. Yeah, very easy to care for. Yeah, I like it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And the flowers are huge. Yes, they are. Thanks so much. Yep, thanks. And, uh, yeah, anybody else have any questions, concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The herbs I have growing in our kitchen window, uh, you know, I I keep talking about the creeping thyme, the rosemary, this is on the outside, and uh, the sages. They've really done very, very well, regardless of temperature or anything else. And I haven't done any additional watering to them. It shows you how tough herbs are. They really don't want to be overwatered, and especially if they were inside, even less watering but the ones that are outside, uh, I'm probably going to take some of the snow that's in the yard and just throw some snow up on them and let the snow melt and water them that way. So, underwatering is always the best for lots of different kinds of plants, and especially for all your house plants, regardless. I'm not saying just herbs or anything else. Wintertime is the slow time for them. Even undergrow lights, it makes a little bit of difference, but still, you should underwater as opposed to overwater. And, uh, as or, Let's say routinely water. I mean, they come up with these types of orchids that say, you know, one ice cube every whatever, five days or seven days or something like that. But with the orchids, if it's not, if it's like a traditional type orchid, they grow on the sides of trees in our native habitat. So they're growing in orchid bark. So you can water them and just let the water run all the way through. That works very easily. Let's head out to West County and go into Margaret's yard. Hi, Margaret.
12: Hi, Mike. Thanks for your um
5: service are you i'm sure you're aware that the university of missouri extension office will receive um soil samples that they'll send on to the university for testing
3: yes down to the agriculture department
5: yes and the extension office is on the corner of monroe and taylor in, in kirkwood.
3: kirkwood right
5: okay it might help your customer if it's someplace closer for them to deposit their soil samples
3: right yeah they have uh i mean there's a couple different you know t- the Delta Soil Testing, that's in Portageville. They have the MU Soil and Plant Testing Lab. That's in the University of Illinois. I mean, University of Missouri sure. at Montfort Hall. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you can take it right in there. I would probably go online and find out exactly how much soil and everything you need, and uh, that works out perfect. But, no, thanks for that.
5: Thank you. It costs just $25, and you get a very good report.
3: You aren't kidding. There are excellent reports. and it, I mean, they're really eye-openers. A lot of times, things that we think would never be problematic turns out to be major problems for your soil, and for, not for the soil, but for the plant material that you're trying to grow in that soil. Right. So, thanks, Margaret.
12: Okay. Sure. Bye bye.
3: Bye. And Kathy lives in Holiday Shores. Hi, Kathy.
12: Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for your show. I've learned so much from you. Last spring, a friend gave me a seven or eight inch rose bush that was loaded with tiny pink flowers and it was professionally wrapped in foil. I removed it from the pot and planted it in the sun at the top of my hill, and it bloomed continuously until frost and doubled in size during the summer. Right. I've never had a small rose bush like that before, but suspected it might not be a hardy variety. So in the fall, I transplanted it back to a pot and brought it in the house and put it under the light. It doubled in size. Really? I'm now wondering if it could have been a hardy variety and if I should plant it outside to let it go dormant. I'd put it next to the house for a little protection from the winds. What do you think?
3: I think probably maybe the when you're saying a small row, is this like a miniature rose, like in a four or six-inch pot? Or is this like kind of... Yes.
12: So yeah, it's really... It was the tiny, tiny variety.
3: Yeah. So they're tough. So, no, they should be able to, you know, it should be able to handle the outdoors without any kind of problem at all.
12: Oh, okay. All right. Well, when the snow goes away, I'll I'll get out there and plant it. (laughs) Not today for sure.
3: Right, exactly.
7: Okay. (laughs) Thanks so
12: much, Mike.
3: Certainly. And uh, Holiday Shores, I've had a couple of walk and talks in that area. That's really kind of a unique circumstance.
12: I was your first one. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, the lady with the big hillside. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Kathy.
3: Okay,
17: well, thanks a lot. And enjoy the snow.
3: Sure. And how about Crystal City? That's where Mary lives. Hi, Mary.
17: Good morning. Uh, Mike, on the amaryllis, mine are blooming for the second time. Mm-hmm. Is that unusual?
3: Uh, it's not necessarily something that's going to happen routinely, but, uh, you know, it, d- it can happen. So it's just, you know, luck of the draw, sort of.
17: Great. Now, do I put that out in the springtime?
3: You don't need to. Okay, you can keep it as house a houseplant if you like. You can put it outside, but definitely do not put it any place where it's going the direct sun is going to hit those leaves.
17: Okay. Because that's going to
3: sunburn them really bad.
17: All right. And I have a walk and talk coming up with you. My kids gave that to me for Christmas. All right. <laughs> so, so we'll get together sometime soon.
3: All right. Great. Thanks.
17: Thank you.
15: <laughs> Bye-bye.
3: And, Dolores, how are you today? Berker Meyer?
17: Okay, yes. I have a Mandeville uh, plant, and I brought it in and put it in the garage for the sun to hit it, and I water it every so often. I want to, it to bloom again next year. Can I uh, Should I be doing that and watering it?
3: Yeah, I mean, the mandevilla vine is not necessarily something that it does really well, you know, kind of wintering over or anything else, whether it's in the garage or in the house or anything else. But just as long as it still has some foliage on it and everything else, you're doing everything just fine. Just make sure, again, you don't overwater it. It likes the coolness in there you have it in front of a window, I'm assuming. And then when the weather starts warming up, warm enough to actually take it back outside, that's going to probably be mid to late April, Uh, early May, then just take it out and let it go. Cut it back. I'd probably cut it back because it's going to be a little bit uh, overly viney.
17: All right. Thank you.
3: Certainly. Well, thank you. And thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the outdoors, and uh, this is the weather where you can watch the birds. I mean, they're just spectacular because they've got the contrast of the the white snow with the birds. But think about the birds, too. A lot of the birds, you know, get, let's say, seeds that are dropped off trees and things like that. If they're on the ground, uh, there's not a whole lot of food for them. But a lot of the birds eat the berries, like the lady who called and said she'd seen some red berries on uh, some tree. And she was wondering what type of tree that actually was. So there's lots of ways that we can sort of help nature and help the, you know, help the birds and there's nothing more entertaining than to me than birds in the outdoors. Yes, it's kind of neat to see rabbits popping across or squirrels and everything else, but uh, the birds I think they're most the most enjoyable thing in the outdoors. And we have such a, you know, wide variety of different types of birds. That's what makes it really fun and neat in general. So uh, Next week, who knows what it's going to be like. It may be 75 degrees. It may be 75 below zero. But I think the rest of the week, it's going to stay fairly cool. And then towards the end of the week, we're going to get into the 40s. So the snow will be gone pretty quickly. So Mike Miller, K M O S Garden Hotline, I certainly appreciate you having me on your show. And I
0: will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.